Hey, this is Timmy Tyre from Southern California. Hey, this is John from Brookville, New York. Hey, this is John Davin from Wildwood, Missouri, and you're listening to the Dan Tired Podcast. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lopes. Join me every Monday as we dive into what it looks like to be men who fall in love with Jesus and help our families do the same. You can learn more about our books, resources, conferences, and even online community by going to dadtired.com. Let's dive into today's episode. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Dad Tired Show. As always, good to be here with you today. Today, we're going to be talking about a couple things. Number one, if you feel like your family just doesn't fit, (laughs) Uh, and that could be for a variety of reasons, but if you just feel like, man, we're not the normal family, this episode is probably going to be good for you. Also, if you feel like some of the ways that you are currently parenting and some of the ways that you are currently operating as a husband may be affected by your childhood, and yet you just don't, you've never been able to connect those dots. Also, today's episode is going to be helpful for you. Before we get into that, though, I do want to remind you again about our family leadership program. You've heard me talk about it the last couple of weeks, and I would love to give you kind of my own little pitch on why I think it's going to help you as the spiritual leader of your home. But we have two guys who are currently in the program. They're a couple of weeks in, and I asked them if they would just share a little bit about their own personal experience in the program so far. Take a listen. Great topics, great subjects to get through. Love the videos each day to prompt some thinking and maybe some conversations, not only with myself, but with my wife. It's been awesome to be able to connect with other guys across the country on the Facebook page uh, to realize that I'm not the only one maybe dealing with some issues, but to be able to see that I have other brothers in Christ that are kind of struggling too and being able to help them. My name is Andre, and I'm currently going through the Dad Tired Family Leadership Program. One of the things I'm loving about this program is how it connects us with other dads who are also gung-ho about being the spiritual leader in their home. I just think there's so much more power in going through these courses when you have other dudes right by your side for support, and they also have the same goals and mindset. I was initially hesitant to sign up, I gotta admit, because of the time and the price, but how I see it now is that you really can't put a dollar amount on your spiritual growth. So every month we only take 30 guys into each cohort and we do that on purpose just so that I can really pour into every guy uh, as intentionally as I can and not get spread too thin. And so for this November cohort, 2020, uh, we are already have about 25 guys on the wait list. And again, we only take 30. So if you're interested in jumping into the cohort, I definitely recommend that you go to dadtire.com forward slash lead, L-E-A-D, lead, like lead your family well. Uh, Again, that's dadtire.com forward slash lead. And then make sure that you get put on the wait list. And as soon as we open up those spots for November, uh, we will send you an email and you can sign up immediately for that. If you miss November's cohort, you can always jump into the next month by joining the wait list. Again, go to dadtired.com forward slash lead. Again, I'm super excited for today's episode. I do want to thank a new sponsor that we have that I'm really excited about. It's called Ripple Coffee, which uh, this was actually started as a coffee brand started by one of our Dad Tired community guys. And I just, I love supporting guys in our Dad Tired community who are doing really cool stuff. Uh, Ripple Coffee was started out of a deep desire, not only to bring people together over a cup of coffee, but to support nonprofits working with children and families. They choose four nonprofits a year to spotlight. They share their story, and then they give a portion of every purchase to that nonprofit, which is really, really cool. Ripple Coffee features Fair Trade and Rainforest Alliance certified coffee from all over the world, including places like Indonesia, Guatemala, Hawaii, Hawaii, and Colombia. Their customers can't get enough of the sea salt caramel mocha, which has an elegant combination of caramel drizzle rich mocha, and a dash of sea salt. You can find Ripple Coffee on Facebook or Instagram at Ripple. That's R-I-P-L, R-I-P-L Coffee, or online at R-I-P-L Coffee, RippleCoffee.com. You can also use promo code DADTIRED, all one word, to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you, Ripple Coffee, for sponsoring the Dad Tired Show. That being said, let's dive into today's episode. Ron, so glad you're here with us today, man. For the audience who may not be familiar, uh, tell us who you are and what you're up to these days. 
Yeah. So I work for the Ministry of Family Life, which uh, used to be based. I live in Little Rock, Arkansas. The ministry has been here for 43 years and it's now moving to Orlando. Uh, we're a part of Crew. Um, and so Campus Crusade for Christ International offices are there. And that's where we're moving towards. Um, long story there in terms of a lot of people in the transition that's taking place, but it's but it's all a very good thing for the ministry. Family Life does marriage and family ministry around the world. We're in 104 countries, I think, at this point, and um, in a national radio broadcast, events like the Weekend to Remember Marriage Conference. But for most of the history of the ministry, they didn't do anything related to stepfamilies. And um, Dennis Rainey and I got to be friends through series of interviews I do on their program. Every time I'd write a book, he'd have me back, and we got to know each other over some years. And eventually, the the ministry that I was doing on my own, Smart Step Families, uh, he welcomed me to the ministry, and we we became a blended family. Family life became a blended family life, merged with Smart Step Families, and we gave birth to what we call Family Life Blended. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we do blended family ministry education enrichment. We equip leaders and we and churches so that they can minister to step families in their communities and churches. And we do direct to uh, uh, couple enrichment through podcast, through uh, radio, through uh, articles, web, you know, all the digital sources and live events. That's awesome, man. It's a much needed resource. It's interesting that you said, you know, they, they had been part of uh, equipping families for many, many years, but this wasn't necessarily a kind of yeah. a branch that they were thinking about. I think that's probably true in most of our churches, yes. uh, you know, that we're talking about how to, um, you know, help families succeed and do well and follow the Lord. And yet there are so many blended families mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily getting attention. And I'll just, you know, be the first to admit we've been doing dad tired for five years now, and I have never covered the topic of blended families. Yeah. So, yeah. It's uh, pretty, pretty natural. If you don't, you haven't lived it, um, or you're, yeah. it's not super close to your life. I think it's easy to be out of sight, out of mind. By the way, let me just a little for perspective about the need here. Um, so when I came to Family Life eight and a half years ago, I, to my knowledge, I was the only person in the world who made his living working with step families, and yet one third of the U.S. population today has a step relationship, and half of us will by the time we we pass away. of all families are blended families. 40% of all parents raising kids are blended families. Get this one. The latest stat came out a year ago. Couples under the age of 55, which I kind of think may be part of your audience, your listening audience. Couples under 55, 62% have either a step parent or a step child connected to that couple's relationship. It's huge. And, And as you said, churches and ministries are are really really kind of just slow to move into this space. Once they see it and go, oh, I get it, then they quickly get there. And then the next question is, what do we do? And we help them with that as well. Yeah. But catching the vision is really important. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's an elephant in the room, but you know, the 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 something's in the room. And I think the reason you kind of have to go behind why. Yep. Why are churches addressing it? And, uh, you know, I think that's an obvious answer in the Christian space or what could seem obvious. People mm-hmm. think there's a lot of shame, uh, I imagine, around this topic. I'm, I'm not doing this the way that God wants me to or my church wants me to or my pastor wants me to. Yep. And so maybe we just don't bring this up because it's kind of we don't really know how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So before we I mean, you have so many great resources and insight onto this. But maybe before we get into all that. Maybe let's just talk about that specifically, like the shame element, the I have stepped outside of God's design. Do I even fit as part of this Christian culture anymore because I don't Mm -hmm. seem to be doing it the way that I'm supposed to or the way that was meant to happen? Yeah. So first of all, I mean, you nailed it, really. I mean, this is a a big factor here on both ends from the pastoral end as well as from the the couple or person's experience and uh, of their own family life situation. But let me just back up and say, not all blended families are a result of divorce, not all a result of sin. And yet there is still this, um, huh, our family's different and we have some struggles. I never never forget one stepmom telling me she was in ladies Bible class at her church and she, prayer requests anyone? Sure, I've got one. I'm really struggling with my stepdaughter. She's driving me nuts. And honestly, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to respond to her biological mother. We're just having some struggle. And she starts to look around the room and all eyes are wide-eyed. 
And everybody's looking at her like, oh my gosh, you are the worst thing I've ever heard. Mm. Talk about your struggles to love your stepchild. And this stepmom immediately felt that rush of shame and she learned something. I can't trust my life with these people. Mm. And that is a very common narrative that people have about being in a blended family, where they grew up in a blended family, whether it was something that happened with their parents when they were a kid, or whether it's their own life, or the person they've married. Maybe maybe you didn't divorce anybody, but you married somebody who was divorced. And all of a sudden, people kind of sometimes look at you like you got a third eye. And that's just <laughs> the judgment of Christians towards one another. And that always happens. And unfortunately, it's something we we, we keep working on. Um, and, but that does create this second-class citizen feeling. And so, yeah, I'm not holding up my hand in Bible class going, hey, pastor, why don't you ever talk about being a stepdad? Because that just means you have to come out with that part of your story. And unless we, as the church, communicate through avenues like what we're doing right now and say to people, hey, look, I think Jesus had a stepdad. It's kind of okay. <laughs> I, th- I think Jacob had this messed up step family in the Old Testament. And Joseph, yeah. the reason they, you know, his brothers tried to kill him is because he was the favorite child out of all of the stepchildren. Mm. I, th- I think if we talk about it, all of a sudden people go, you know, this is nothing new. And mm. God's people have always been imperfect and had various complexities to their forms. And God doesn't seem to care. He still redeems people no matter what. So when we get back to the end of the story, what we we end up in the same place. Uh, we're imperfect. We need God's grace. And uh, and everyone is welcome. <laughs> mm. Yeah, man, I was going to ask you just to like, before we even get into resources and stuff and practical stuff, just like, you know, remind folks of the gospel mm. for those listening who are just like, man, I do feel out of place. I don't feel, I kind of feel like I'm not, I don't fit into this crowd and I'm part of it. And I'm part of a church family and I go, but there was always something that feels different. Um, uh, you know, I think you did a little bit, but I guess yeah. just, you know, real directly, what, what encouragement would you have for that person? Yeah. Yeah. God's, um, God's willingness to receive you has nothing to do with your ability to be Amen. good enough. Amen. If it did, we'd all be in a lot of trouble. And the good news of the gospel is, um, the God who started pursuing Adam and Eve the minute they sinned. Mm. Think about that. Satan left them. <laughs> That's what he does, right? He tempts, he gets us hooked, and then he turns and walks. He's not there for us. But who is God? In the midst of their uh, clothed and hiding, <laughs> God says, where are you? He goes and he finds and he pursues. And the whole story of the Bible is a God who is chasing us down. Through grace, through the form of a covenant to Abraham that gets passed from generation to generation to generation that ultimately gives birth to the Messiah, who then ultimately chases us with a death on the cross. Like, that's the whole narrative. It's a love story about a God who pursues. It's not about what we, us getting it right. It's about what he does in us, in spite of us. One of my favorite stories, John chapter four, the woman at the well, pretty sordid past, man. You talk about thirsty for love in all the wrong places. That's her. A lot of failed relationships. We don't know the nature of those, but there was some controversy or she wouldn't be at the well all by herself. And Jesus comes up to her and he says, look, uh, you're not good enough. I'm sorry. I can't give you any living water. (laughs) No. (laughs) He says, yeah, let's talk about it. Mm. You know, and he even uses her relational thirst as a way of catching her attention, not to make her sit in her shame, but as a way of saying, I really have what you're looking for. Mm. So come with me. Next thing you know, this woman, multiple marriages, has given up on marriage now. She's just living with somebody, becomes an evangelist for Jesus. Like That's the story of the gospel. It's not about us. It's about what he's doing in our story in spite of us and then welcoming us into his family. Man, that's a good word. We could end there. That would be encouragement to everyone, man. That's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to go back to some of those statistics that you uh, brought up at the beginning. I I think a lot of guys who are listening, that the reason they come to the Dad Tired podcast is like, all right, Jared, help me out as a dad, you know, so that I can help my kids. 
But it's fascinating, and this is something we talked about right before we hit the record button, is uh, how many dads and probably some wives who are sneaking in here, which is okay, <laughs> uh, but how many people who are listening right now who are, have come from a blended family and the way that that's shaping them, right? Um, either consciously or subconsciously. So I'd love to just like, mm. uh, even for a guy who thinks maybe he doesn't even have uh, stepkids or any, he's not part of a blended, you know, children, yeah. but he came from a blended family and he may have thought, Oh, this doesn't really impact me. I don't know if I should be listening. Uh, I'd love to just kind of step back that direction before we get into like the kids stuff. Yeah. Let's, let's unpack that a little bit. 30% of all children in, in the U S will have a step parent by the time they're 18. And half of us will have a step parent by the time we die. In other words, you know, my brother-in-law became a stepchild at the age of uh, 46, I think. You know, his father passed away after his mom and dad had been married for 30 years and dad passes away. And two years later, his mom gets remarried. He becomes a stepchild, like an adult stepchild. But nevertheless, there it is, right? That's part of your life. So in particular, if you grew up with that, then you know something of uh, the complexity of trying to figure out how to put more than one person in your heart without offending the people that you're the most loyal to. So, you know, kids are most loyal to their biological mom and dad, but when a stepdad or stepmom comes into their world, you want to get along. You try to find out how to make space for them in your heart. Some things about them you really love, like, drawn to, other things, eh, not so much. So sometimes you're just friendly. That's the best it gets for some people. Other people to have deep, deep heart connection to their step-parent just like somebody does to a, an adoptive parent. And so it varies in terms of the depth and the intimacy there. But nevertheless, you're still trying to juggle space in your heart for the people you care about without offending, without breaking loyalties, without mom thinking somehow, wow, what dad did you, you know, before you divorced is somehow okay in light of what's going on. Yeah, all that stuff is rattled up inside a kid's head. Mm. And I think a lot of times part of what they're carrying forward into their now adult relationships is I don't want to do that to one of my kids. Um, I don't want to, you know, I'm cautious and guarded about love. You know, it, it seems like it works for some people, but not everybody. And I don't want to be one of those that, you know, falls in love and then loses it. And so, so there's a cautiousness and a guardedness around our hearts. And by the way, just one little piece there that I often find with people is, you know, commitment is hard. This is a big reason more and more couples are cohabiting. I'm, I'm convinced of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the way to be together without being together. Right. It, it is, um, it's the middle without having to go in deep. Mm-hmm. And so it, it kind of helps that part of you that is guarded and careful and cautious and doesn't want to get hurt. And so when you, when you discover those little pieces of your heart that are fearful or anxious. That's really what that is. Um, you know, I, th- I think the big question to chase is, you know, how do I keep this from managing my life? How do I keep this from being the thing that impacts my relational decisions or how I respond? I'm in a relationship, maybe you're married and I'm finding that boy, when conflict erupts, I just run and hide. Why is that? I don't want to become my parents. Yeah, that's something you got to wrestle with because that little piece will haunt you. And here's the irony, Jared, as a marital family therapist, I can tell you that that little piece will cascade all sorts of negative things into your relationship. So you're afraid of conflict. So you run and hide. That means you're avoiding. That means you're not dealing with conflict. That means it builds up and someday it blows. Or it's the opposite. We're going to face this head on, but I believe that you're really going to leave me at the end of the day. So I don't trust you. Mm. So I give you most of me, but I don't give you all of me. Mm. Always holding back a little part of me just in case. Well, guess what? That's not naked and unashamed. That's clothed and hiding. Mm. And we're really not moving to to the blessing that God that's designed for you. So you got to wrestle with that stuff. You got to identify it. You got to see it for what it is and go, yeah, I got to start working on that. How many times in your you know, practice with people, do you feel like they haven't connected those dots? So I imagine there's some guys who are hearing that and like, oh, geez, man, you're Ron, you're like, you're reading my journal. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> you're, you're, that's behavior that I'm doing. I'm running and hiding or I'm like, you know, I'm holding out a piece of me. 
um, but they've never actually tied that back to their childhood. Well, first of all, let me just say the short answer is all of us, right? <laughs> I'm 54. I've been married for 34 years. Uh, my dad passed away two weeks ago. This coming weekend, I'll be going and visit and joining with the rest of my extended family from all over the country to um, celebrate his life. He was a good, good man. He was a good father. Um, it's truly a, a peaceful celebration for us. Mm. Mm. I've been through some significant losses that were not peaceful at all. So I know the difference. And at 54, I am connecting. Yeah, my dad and I had that sort of a relationship. And I'm beginning to replicate that with my boys. And I don't want to. So it never stops, dude. I mean, I, I'm a firm, firm believer that we're always going to be working on our marriages and ourselves as, as parents and any intimate relationships with friends and whatnot. God uses those as sanctifiers in our life. Yeah. It's the rough edges of how do we love and love well that forces me to notice another piece of me that's selfish, that makes me look in the mirror and go, you know what? There's something here. I don't know what it is, but every time X happens, I do Y. What's that about? Like I'm convinced marriage and family is one of the most intimate places where God disciples us. So we should assume it will be a lifelong endeavor. Mm-hmm. I mean, people ask me all the time, when, when's marriage going to get easy? I said, when you, when you're dead, <laughs> it, it doesn't stop. Cause then, right. It's a discipler. Every time God shaves off another little layer of, of me, I, I see something new. I, I used to fight that a lot. Like, boy, is that aggravating because <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to just be perfect, Jared. I really want to be done yeah. working at this, you know, but that's not the way it happens. So submit and w- welcome the spirit and go with it. <laughs> well, it's especially hard if you came into marriage thinking it's going to just be fun. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, this is going to be real good, you know, and then you quickly realize, oh, geez, like the God is actually using this to yeah. reveal in me. Got a lot of stuff that that's still broken and God's uh, little joke on us, man, is that we make our commitment at the beginning of marriage, and then life teaches us what we committed ourselves to. (laughs) We said love, honor, and cherish. We had no idea what that meant. (laughs) Uh, Layla, my wife, she and I watched this show. We've been really into this show called Married at First Sight. I don't know if you've seen this. I I know what you're talking about. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Oh, but man, anytime you just watch these new couples who are just kind of in that dreamy, yeah. marriage is so awesome. It's just so <laughs> comical because we're all there. We were all there at some point. It tricks yep. you into it. That's you know? right. That's right. Oh, man. Uh, so you mentioned your dad, but uh, I'm, so I'm curious, how did you get into the blended family space? What is yeah. your personal experience? It, it's not my personal life. Mm. Um, this is one of those areas of ministry. I mean, there's a lot of things in life that we do. Um in ministry in particular, and, and as a marriage and family therapist, there's lots of things that I treat that I never live that right, it's not right. my world. Um, and so I got into this through the back door. Uh, the long story short is I was a youth pastor in my first job. Very quickly, I learned I didn't know enough about the family to understand teenagers. So I went back to graduate school got a degree in marriage and family therapy and studied family ministry in the process, got out, went right back into local church work on staff, a couple different churches uh, out West and then uh, in the mid South and, you know, small church, large church basically was surrounded by all kinds of families. And in my mind, we need to try to help encourage and rich support all kinds of families. So we had a single parent ministry. We had marriage stuff. We did parent training. We did money management and let's do something for step families. Well, that was in the mid-90s, and little did I know, nobody, maybe a handful of people around the country were giving any thought to that in the Christian circles. Yeah. And so, long story short, I just wandered down this road, was dumb enough to try, <laughs> and the Lord blessed, and I started writing and speaking about it, and people wanted to hear. And mm. you know, now, we nine books in, um, just turned in book number nine, it'll come out next year multiple video resources and, you know, podcasts on, you know, just tons of things that we've been able to put together and we're catalyzing ministry and other people around the world. We just finished an international live stream uh, equipping event for leaders that we did just last week, six, six countries, 38 States. It's, it's there and it's available and the church is on the, on the ready 
for the first mm-hmm. time to really jump into this space and what a potential outreach it is because there's so many people who don't have a map at all. Yeah. So crazy how God just dumps you into areas that you're like, yeah. I never imagined. I mean, we should, ex- we should expect it based yeah. on what we read in scripture, but I tell, I tell people all the time, I'm the wrong guy. And what yeah. I mean by that is in God's economy, that makes you the right guy. Yeah. I mean, if you, any guy listening right now has ever thought I am inadequate to this thing. I got a daughter who needs this from me. I don't know how to do that. I got a son who's acting weird and I don't know what to do. Guess what? In God's economy, that makes you the right guy because with humility, you come before him and say, I so can't do this. Hmm. Lord, teach me. And he will. It may take a while. It may be painful, deeply painful, but he will. That makes you the right guy. Hey guys, I want to take a quick minute and thank my friends over at Samaritan Ministries for sponsoring this podcast. Let's be honest, talking about health insurance is not something anyone really likes to do, but as Christian husbands and fathers, it's our responsibility to lead our families well, especially when it comes to meeting their healthcare needs. I recently discovered Samaritan Ministries and I love what they're doing for so many reasons, but one of the things I love about them is that they're not an insurance company, but a community of Christians who are living out Galatians 6-2, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. As dads, we know a medical need can arise at any time, from broken bones to cancer, pregnancies to organ transplants. Samaritan Ministries connects hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation who are caring for one another's medical needs through prayer, encouragement, and financial support. Here's how it works. When a medical need arises, you choose the healthcare provider that works best for you and your family. Medical bills are sent to Samaritan Ministries, and they notify members to pray for you and send money for your shareable bills. The money received is used to pay your medical bills, and you also get encouraging messages. You don't have to stress about which doctor or hospital to go to because the choice is yours. There are no network restrictions, which is really nice and very affordable. Samaritan members send a fixed amount every month directly to another member. The cost for a family of two or more is $155 to $600 a month, depending on the shareable program selected and the number of people on the membership. Online resources are available to help you choose a provider and price medical procedures, and you have 24-7 access to a medical professional by phone or email so you can get medical advice before you visit the doctor, saving you time and money. Healthcare sharing is biblical. Philippians 2.4 says this, Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. And that's exactly what Samaritan Ministries does. It helps you care for other families spiritually and financially while they help take care of yours. I'm a huge fan of what they're doing from a practical and biblical perspective. I think this is the way that we see Christians bearing one another's burdens in 2020. You can join Samaritan Ministries at any time of the year. Why not today? Go to SamaritanMinistries.org slash dadtire to check them out and see what they have going on over there. Man, that's a that's an encouraging word. I uh, I'm thinking about what we talked about just a minute ago about those connecting that dot. You know, you said you know you're in your 50s and you're still thinking about. Yeah. I had the same exact experience this week. Somebody asked me point blank, "How has not having your dad around impacted you as a kid?" I'm like, mm-hmm. "It's impacting me this very second. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> these words are coming out of my mouth. It's still impacting me. Mm-hmm. But I guess for the guy who came from a blended family." Um, and maybe he's never connected that. I know it's going to be almost impossible for you because he's not sitting in your office and you, yeah. you don't get to know him. But is there one way that he can just start to connect those dots a little bit? A question he can ask himself, something he can be self-aware about yeah. that's going to help him. And I think this is just true for all of us all in all things in life. But it goes a little bit like this. The, the first, you got to make an observation about what, why don't I'm doing this certain thing. Like uh, my wife said this and I felt sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I responded in this way, right? I reacted this way. I got angry. Let's just say I got angry. I snipped at her. I turned, I walked away. Stop, go, okay, let me connect the dots. Angry, snip, what's behind that? What was I feeling that drove me to act in that manner? And just try to put a word on it. And the first time you do this, it's going to be a struggle. Sometimes you don't have the feeling words to really know what it is. I, I I definitely didn't have that years ago. Had to develop a whole language and just figure it out over time. But you put a word on it and then just go, all right, I'm writing this down, putting it in my phone, moving on. 
And the next time you get angry and snip, go, what, okay, what was that thing? Oh, you know what? This time it was a little bit of a different word, but it's kind of in the same family of words. I was feeling inadequate or I was feeling accused or I was feeling um, unloved. Mm-hmm. Whatever it was, put words on it. Now, now you know your, your trigger. Your trigger is feeling unloved. The next thing you're going to do is you're going to start going, when, when, when do I feel unloved with my wife now? But when did I used to feel unloved growing up? When were the moments that that happened? What was happening in my life? Mm-hmm. And man, pretty fast, you'll figure out there's three or four emotional triggers. And there's four or five things we do with those over and over and over and over. And it could be a work environment. It could be your wife. People who are intimately connected to you will have the biggest impact on hitting these triggers, Um, but it can happen with a boss or a friend or a neighbor. But pretty quick, you got yourself diagnosed. Yep. When I was a kid, uh, dad left home and left me and mom and my siblings and a couple years go by, stepdad comes into the world. I liked him. We got along, but then he kind of I never really knew if he really embraced me or accepted me. And dad was in and out of my life. And I've just always felt like I didn't quite have anybody. Mm. And so every time my wife looks at her phone instead of at me, again, I feel like I don't have anybody. Mm. And it happens in a nanosecond. The neuroscience behind this is literally less than a nanosecond. And you went from feeling unloved to angry and snippy. And you will do it over and over your entire life unless you say, God, help me with this. And he has a whole New Testament that says, you know what? I'm going to help you take off that old self and put on a new self. Instead of finding your identity in your dad that wasn't there, your stepdad that wasn't there, or your wife that's on her phone, we're going to find your identity in me. And I'm going to let you know how, how affirmed you really are. And you are valuable, even when you don't feel like you are to other people you love and care about. And I'm going to help you live out of your value so you don't get angry and step every time. Mm. That's discipleship, dude. Well, I'm, uh, I'm about ready to end the interview because I feel like you're counseling me and I'm <laughs> getting real uncomfortable. I'm getting squirming over here. <laughs> As you're saying this, man, I'm like, oh, geez, I, I can already recognize patterns in myself yeah, and um, tying them back to stuff as a child. So I know that's going to be helpful for a lot of guys. I just want to mention too here that for a lot of guys listen to these podcasts, I'm, you know, listen to your podcast or read a book and you hear things like that and you're like, that would be good to one day you know, I should probably do that exercise mm. one day, or I should mm. probably put that into practice. And they hear it. And for, I think for a lot of us, we hear something and we think that just hearing it was good enough, right? Yeah. We got the intention. Right. And uh, so one thing, we have a family leadership program. We're actually putting guys in exercises like this, where we give them mm-hmm. the PDF and we say, you need to like actually sit down today, write those things out and start making that progress. Cause I, I just want to go back to that point. Uh, about discipleship, the work has to be done. Yes. You can't just read the instructions and think right. that the work is done. That's right. Uh, instructions are only the first half of it. And so I would encourage any guy that's listening, it's like, that sounds good. Maybe I'll get to that. Maybe I won't. Man, jump into some of these resources that Ron has, jump into our family leadership program, but actually do the work. Mm-hmm. That's where real discipleship happens. That's where God is actually goes about removing that old self and making you new again. So, yep. uh, all right, man, there's a lot of dads listening right now. And I'm, I'm sure some moms who have a blended family currently, mm-hmm. what are some of the biggest struggles that blended families are experiencing in 2020? Well, let's talk about a pandemic for a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not like anybody listening can relate to the pandemic yeah, exactly. at all. Yeah. Um, I've actually been kidding for about six months now that the pandemic is teaching everybody worldwide a little bit about blended family living without us knowing about it. Mm. And let me, just, yeah, what do you mean? So let me draw some parallels and you'll get it really fast. Number one, um, back mid-March, remember when they said, hey, there's a pandemic in China. It's coming here. I don't know about your reaction, but the conversations I had went a little bit like, that's eh, over there. That's not us. It's right. all good. Yeah. One of the first thing that happens when a couple, when somebody falls in love and says, hey, honey, let's form a blended, let's get married and form a blended family. What they're really thinking is, that's China. That's not us. Uh, mm. We're in love. This is going to be good. And we're repairing what has been lost. Mm. And uh, that's the big lie. Uh, you're not repairing 
a nuclear family, you're creating a step family. And step families have a lot of things that are exactly the same. And the good news of the gospel is every attribute that God calls us to can be done. And no matter what kind of family you live in, mm-hmm. <laughs> what it was, Galatians 5 say, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, can against such things, there is no law. And I say against uh, any family, this can be applied, right? Yeah. I mean, you can do any, those things anywhere, anytime. It's not based on structure of a home. That's the good news. But there are some disadvantages to blended family structure that do make life more challenging and difficult. So you're not repairing, you're creating something new. Second response we had in March, uh, oh, hey, I guess it is in the US. It did move over here. Wow. Okay. Well, it's going to be gone by June when the sun comes out. Remember the weather thing? You know, oh, yeah. just oh, like yeah. the flu, it's going to burn it off and we won't have. Well, here we are in, you know, fall and we are still dealing with this yeah. thing and there's no end in sight as far as I can see. The reality is this is a lot more difficult surviving the pandemic than we imagined. And blended family living has some built-in challenges. It takes the average step family five to seven years Mm. to find its family identity. I just want to pause there because I have a feeling that's going to be really healing for a lot of people. That's right. Just here like, okay, thank you. It is both healing and frustrating. You know, the healing healing part is... Somebody's going, oh, I thought it was us. We're four years in. I thought we were screwed up. Why are we not getting anywhere? Right, right. Like, dude, it takes a long time. Why? Because you're trying to figure out new roles and relationships and rules. And you you chose the kids. They didn't choose you. So guess what? They may not want you. And so they have to, it takes a while for all that to kind of happen, you know? And so it's okay. Relax. Work on it. Don't panic. It's a little frustrating to hear that, I think. Because sometimes people go, oh, boy, did we bite off more than we get you? The answer is no, you didn't. You just didn't know what you bit off, right? It's okay. Keep pressing in. Let's go back to the pandemic real quick. So then you go, so now we got to go home and live at home and socially distance and lockdown and all that kind of stuff that we did back in, uh, in March and April. And it's like, okay, new reality. We're stepping on each other's toes. How do we do school, work? We got two computers. We got five people. We've got bandwidth problems. We got, I, I need it quiet. I'm trying to work in here. I'm doing a Zoom with Jared. Come on, people. You can't mess this thing. So what did people do? Well, you had to talk. You had to negotiate the new normal. You had to figure out spacing and boundaries and timing. And you had to listen to one another in deeper ways to find out what one another needed. I had a son in college. My youngest is in college. He came home super angry and irritated and depressed because his college experience had been ruined. And he comes home to our little happy, empty nest, and he makes us depressed. Like, all of a sudden, we're not happy either. And Like, what is going on here? Like, we got to deal with this new reality. Blended families, once you get into the living and you go, I don't know how to be a step-parent. I don't know what that is. Or you go, we don't agree on how to deal with your former spouse. They're driving us nuts, creating all sorts of stress and chaos in our lives. And we don't even agree about how to deal with that. It's dividing you and I. This is pitting me against you. And I don't like your kid right now. And you get into that and you go, okay, I guess we got to talk. I guess we're going to have to negotiate this new normal. And we're going to have to listen to other people really, really well. One of the things I always want to do, Jared, is help adults understand kids a whole lot better in blended families. Because again, you came in with different motivations. Adults were highly motivated to be there and to form this family. And kids were like just forced into it. And sometimes they're happy and thrilled. And sometimes kids are like, nope, no, thank you. Don't need it. What do you do if the the hand is up and you can't move into their heart and life? Like those are hard realities and it takes longer to get through than you imagine that it ever would. But like most of us who are living in the pandemic right now, we kind of have it figured out. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I really want to go to a movie. <laughs> yeah. Like I am ready to go back, but I'm cautious and I'm not, I'm being careful. And, and uh, right now, the other big thing that's going on in our world is what does six feet apart mean? Because mm-hmm. nobody seems to have the same definition of six feet apart. Some people think it means 10 feet with a hazmat suit. <laughs> and some people, it really means that ah, two feet's fine. And I don't care if you're masked right. up or not. Like we're having all these in the store and at church and like in life, we don't know what that means. And every relationship has to be negotiated for closeness and distance in a blended family. Every re- new relationship has to be negotiated 
for closeness and distance. Mm. Bio parents got a tight, close relationship with their biological children. Step parents are going, hey, kid, come here, two feet away. I'm good with that. No mask. Don't worry about it. And the kid's going, 10 feet, hazmat suit. Back up, buddy. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want you that close in my life. I just don't need you. It's not that I hate you. I just got a dad. I don't need you, stepdad, mm-hmm. to fill this spot in my heart. It's already filled. Like, so then what, who am I as a stepdad? Like, what, what's my role? Then how do I move in? All of those questions. Ambiguity, ambiguity, ambiguity. In the pandemic right now, we are all dealing with ambiguity. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what the right decision is. This is why all the medical experts uh, disagree and conflict one another about how to manage things. We don't know whether we should go back to church or not or go back to the off. Like it's ambiguity everywhere. And what does that do? It makes us feel really uptight and insecure. And we guess, I think this is right. Joe over there is doing that. Maybe that's right. I don't know. Mm. nobody really knows the path forward. That's what ambiguity does to us. It kind of paralyzes us. Blended families have a lot of ambiguity in the beginning, and they spend those five to seven years on average, sometimes 10, figuring out definition to how they're going to be a family. At At the end of the day, that's the journey. And families who navigate that journey with intentionality do it well. And then their homes are more like uh, strong, stable, healthy families that look, think just like every family does. But families who don't navigate that well end up just drowning in ambiguity and not really knowing who they are or how they move forward. And it's painful. Mm. So at, at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is, is help families be who they want to be together, figure that path out and understand What's, what's wise and helps you get there and what doesn't help you get it. We're, we're kind of like the CDC. <laughs> Hopefully with a little more clarity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even that's ambi- ambiguous, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Man, this is, uh, this is so helpful because as you were talking, I've just got like, I went down a million paths mm-hmm. in my head. Like I'm thinking about the dad. I got hung up on when you said, you know, a dad came in loving. He's just like, he's ready to go. He's ready to love his wife. And the child is saying, no, like I don't. Yeah. And immediately my heart just broke. Yeah. Cause I, that's a reality that I don't, I don't know anything about. Yeah. And, uh, but there are dad, there are a lot of dads who know that reality really, really well. That dad's been listening to you. He's encouraged. He is fired up. He is, he's been challenged to be a godly man in his home and he is motivated and it backfires on him. What do you say to that guy? What I say to that guy is, uh, good, now you got it. Um, The pandemic is harder than we thought, Mm. and you're going to have to make some adaptions to life now in reality, not what we thought it was going to be. It's going to burn off, not going to be a big deal, but it really is a big deal. And so you're going to have to live with a mask on. We're going to have to learn how to balance your closeness and distance with your stepchild and your expectations of how life is going to go from this point forward. So here's what it looks like, man. You're going to learn how to be a smart stepdad instead of a good father. And he looks at me with that question mark look on his face. And I say, here's what that means. Um, Analogy. If I told you to go make a new friend of your new neighbor down the street, and uh, by the way, you can't actually go meet your new neighbor right now. We're in a pandemic. You shouldn't do that. But if you could, how would you do it? Would you go bang on his door and go, hey, dude, I'm your new neighbor. I'm your new best friend. Let me in. I'm hungry. I want to get some food out of your refrigerator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're not going to do that. What are you going to do? You're going to knock and wait. Mm. And there you are waiting on the doorstep mm. with a big heart, ready to go, highly motivated, just waiting. And you can't do anything until they talk back through the door Mm. or crack the door open. And and by the way, if they crack the door open, what do you do? Yeah, you push it through and you shove them down and you run into their house and you go, I'm your new best. No, you Mm. talk through the crack in the door to the eyeball. Mm. (laughs) And that's all you have. And that's how you make a friend. Now, it takes six weeks of that repetitively over and over again for them to actually open the door because they trust you enough now to, to, to have a conversation. Someday they might invite you into their living room. Someday they might offer you a glass of water when you get there. That's up to the neighbor. See, step parenting has to work within the pace 
of the child. And if you have this eager, if your eagerness gets the best of you and you start pushing the door down, you lose trust, you lose your opportunity, and they see you as somebody who's a threat, not someone to be allowed in. And now you just made it 10 times harder. So somebody just listened to that moment and just said, oh, now I get it. Now I, I did. I already pushed the door down and now I'm trying to build trust back again. Yeah, which means standing on the doorstep. You might have to stand on the driveway and talk at a distance. And it's slow going, depending upon how much pain has been, has happened already. Um, And that's the journey. Mm. Now, if you do it well from the beginning, (laughs) uh, then then the door opens a little more quickly. And by the way, you got three stepkids, two of them open it fast, one of them opens it slowly. It feels a little schizophrenic trying to navigate each one of those relationships. It is what it is. By the way, Jared, just to add another layer. See, blended families have so many layers that, that that's the thing we really have to spend time unpacking. But imagine this guy is also a biological dad. He's got his own children. And the door is always open. And they're always eager for him to walk in. In fact, if anything, they're running into his front lap on the doorstep. Yeah. And everything is easy. But when it comes to the stepchild, that one stepchild, it's hard. It's just hard knowing who you are at any given moment. Am I stepping in or am I stepping out? Am I letting my wife do this or is that my job? Those are the things that you got to navigate, work together with your wife, work through your wife with her children and wait on the doorstep until they allow you into their heart. Then you have more influence. And now you're able to, to, to build character and do all kinds of awesome things that dads can do, but it has to be on the child's timing. Ron, as you were talking, man, I felt myself getting emotional mm-hmm. and uh, choked up. And I'm just, um, I'm not sure exactly what nerve that pricked, you know, as you were sharing, but uh, I know at the very least, um, I just grew in compassion for that dad and that mom who's listening. You know? Yeah. And, uh, man, it's one thing for us as men, um, specifically to really open up our hearts and to step into vulnerability with our wives that what you described is really a relationship with our spouse in many ways. Like I'm, I'm trying to knock on that door and I'm trying to, and you can hurt me and I can hurt you. It's a very vulnerable relationship at Mm -hmm. any time. And that's hard enough. Right. Any married man would say that's really hard. Um, and man, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it now, but the dad who is doing that with both his wife and now kids, um, that is a heavy burden to bear, but man, so worth it. That's what I was thinking of. Uh, and I think that's what was maybe just kind of pricking that nervous thinking when that door does open, man, how, how worth it is it? Yeah. There's a dad who's, who's patient and who's stumbling his way through that. And sometimes he pushes too hard and sometimes he, he realizes it. Now he's in the driveway, dude, I'm going to get, I'm going to start crying if I <laughs> talk about it too long. But man, um, I just want to like to that dad and, and to that mom, just stick with it. I just can't even imagine all the fumbling that you feel like you're doing and all the, the navigating that you're trying to figure it out and you don't know what you're doing, but man, it's worth it. Yeah. It's and, so worth it. And, and it is so worth it. And the joys and the benefits can be there. It just comes, I love to say to couples all the time and step families, look, there is a honeymoon for blended family couples. It just comes at the end of the journey, not at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and because you're not just working on a coupleness honeymoon, you're working on a familyness honeymoon, and that's a longer process. But when you get there, it's so worth every step that you had to take in order to get there. Finding encouragement and having a map is so helpful. I mean, the resources we've created are designed to do just that, to be incredibly practical and useful and helpful to people, to help them make sense of these dynamics, put words on it, go, oh, that's what it is. Okay, here's what you do. Here's what you don't do. And just making a few navigational shifts over time adds up to a tremendous amount of, of, of growth for most people and and most families. Yeah. Well, um, you know, any guy that's been listening to the dad tire podcast, we're doing our best to equip men to lead their family. Well, but you are hitting a niche that I am not. And so I want you to just plug the crud out of all your stuff, man, right now, tell these guys who are listening, uh, who are part of a blended family who need the help. 
Where do we go? Where can we send people to get some resources? Okay. So the website is familylife.com, familylife.com. When you get okay. there, you click blended family and you're in our section. Okay. Cool. And read articles to your heart's desire podcast. Family life blended is, uh, is my podcast. Um, lots in the can, lots more coming down the pike. We do live stream events. We, for the last three years, we've done an international live stream event called blended and blessed. Every one of those is available for 30 bucks on an all access pass, wow. $30 total for all cool. three years. Wow. Uh, we just, we have 40 plus hours of ministry equipping uh, online resources for like $79 for church leaders and cool. children's ministry pastors and youth pastors and you name it. It has application no, no matter where you are or a lay couple just leading a small group. If you're mentoring other people, like all that stuff is available through our site. Um, familylife.com, click blended family. That's pretty much all you need to know. Yeah. No shortage of, of resources. Yeah. And you're, uh, you're supposed to be speaking on the, uh, the, the family life cruise uh, we, every is that, year. Is that still happening? Yeah. Every year we do the family life cruise and, uh, have some breakouts this last year, Gary Chapman and I released a new book. He was with me. We did uh, a couple of things on the cruise for blended families specifically. Um, it's not official official, but it's unlikely that the cruise is going to happen this next February. Uh, yeah. We will get back to that. All my listeners are laughing right now that have been listening because they know if there's any opportunity for me to bring up the word cruise, I tried to do, I'm just like the biggest, I'm trying to be like a cruise pastor or something like that. I would live on them. If I could. our cruise is amazing. I don't know if you've ever I've been, been on. Oh, I've been telling David for years, man, I'll, I'll clean the trash. I'll wipe the <laughs> plates down anything. I'll change sheets. You just tell me what you need. It really is a fantastic event. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, anybody listening, whoever wants to do your wife, right? Boy, take her on that for a week around Valentine's yeah. every year. We, yeah. we take over the entire ship. There's nobody there, but us, all the events so cool. we plan and design, uh, Worship artists, comedians, magicians. Oh, I don't even talk about it right now. We're in the middle of a <laughs> pandemic. It just, this is the worst. Ron, thank you, man. This has been so, so helpful. I just, yeah. uh, I say this so often, but we just scratched the surface. I know there's just so many other avenues I wanted to run down, but unfortunately we don't have time. But man, you blessed me and helped me. And I can't imagine how much you, you helped a lot of other families today. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview today with Ron. If you're serious about leading your family well, come join us over in the Family Leadership Program by going to dadtired.com forward slash lead. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. Later.